Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's daily podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Ready and Newman, and I'll be conducting the conference today. Uh, Shri, can you start our first question? Uh, yes, Satish. Hello. Hi. Go uh, ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my question. So I came to India for stamping, and I got administrative process from the counselor. And uh, my spouse and kid are years. She's working on EAD. So is there any issue for her? It's, all, it's already completed 60 days. Still am I in India, and I'm waiting for the response from my uh, embassy. Okay, so for your um, wife and son, they're in H-4 status in the U.S., and that H-4 status hasn't expired? No, it's not expired. It's, uh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, they can continue in H-4 status, and your wife can continue using the EAD for as long as it's valid. Okay, and the okay. next question is, like, what are the options I have uh, to expedite my visa process? Like, yeah, unfortunately, once there's a 221G, there aren't that many options. Um, if they haven't requested any documents for you to submit, then all you can really do is wait. Um, there, In some extreme cases, if the wait has been like several weeks or months, um, there may be some litigation options that you can look into. But um, if it's just a kind of generic 221G, then um, yeah. Pretty much all you can do is wait. And I would say in most people's cases, within two to three weeks is usually when it kind of resolves, but there's no guarantee. Yeah, I didn't get any document request. It's only like uh, additional administrative process required. Yeah. uh, Yeah, unfortunately, that has been more common. We think the consulates added more appointments because they were under pressure to do so, but are kind of using the administrative processing to buy themselves more time. Um, when they're kind of overloaded. Okay, gone. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the answer. Sure. Sindhu? Um, good morning. Uh, so my um, my question is like, um, um, I'm on H4. I also have H4 EAD and working. Uh, my husband's H1 was about to expire this year in July. Uh, but last year he got a new job. So H1 was transferred along with the transfer. Um, his H, H1 was renewed to three more years. Mm-hmm. Um, then he applied my H4, only H4, not the EAD. As soon as his application was approved. Um, so I got it approval sometime in August, September timeframe of last year. Um, my H4 and H4 EAD was about to expire like July of this year, but H4 is renewed. H4 EAD, uh, we applied for renewal like 180 days prior to its expiration. Um, which is January of this year. And it went to California Service Center. Um, my question is like, if I won't get timely renewal of my EAD, 
uh, how do I avail 180 days automatic extension? Do I need to apply separately anything? No, it's automatic. So your H4 status right now is already extended until 2025, I guess. Yes. Okay. It's just that your EAD will expire this summer, but you've yes. submitted the I-765 renewal and it's pending. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Then if you don't get the new EAD by the time this current one expires, then there's an automatic 540 day extension. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, you don't have to apply for it separately. Basically, um, if you're working for the same employer, the documents you would give them to show your continued work authorization would be your uh, most recent H-4 approval notice that says 2025 mm -hmm. is the end date mm -hmm. and your I-765 receipt notice that shows that mm -hmm. you applied for the renewal on time. So those okay. two documents plus your expiring EAD, which they should already have on file, those mm -hmm. three documents together um, give you the automatic extension. Okay, so currently, um... Uh, the I-94 in in my um, I-94 website says like the old date. But that's uh, fine because that's based on your entry only. That website only mm -hmm. updates when you re-enter the U.S. But mm -hmm. if you have gotten an H-4 approval notice since your mm -hmm. most recent entry, then that I-94 attached to the I-797 approval notice now becomes your most recent I-94. Oh. Okay. If I am not wrong, is it 180 days or how many days of it's 540 uh, days right now but um yeah and it's supposed to revert back to 180 days later this year but we will see ucis may end up extending it sure yeah thank you sure nagish hey hi um thanks for taking my call guys so mm -hmm. uh i have a dropbox appointment uh scheduled uh this may uh However, I recently had to change my client and uh, because of job change and my employer is uh, filing for my amendment in premium. Probably I should be getting my new 797 by the mid of April. But when I go to the India for my Dropbox appointment, uh, my DS-160, which I've uh, submitted, it, it has uh, my previous 797. So should I be submitting both my 797s when I uh, use the Dropbox option? Yes, technically the DS-160 should have been filled out using the most recent I-797 approval notice case number. Mm -hmm. um, that's not really possible now since it sounds like you submitted the DS-160 yes. before the amendment process was started. Yes. Um, if you can um, email the consulate to let them know that you have an updated case number. The reason is they use that case number to obtain a copy of the petition electronically through the PIMS system. And then they use that to review your visa application through the Dropbox. If there's a way that you can email the consulate to let them know that you have a more recent um, amended approval notice and provide them the case number and attach a copy, they may be able to, you may be able to use the same Dropbox appointment and DS-160 based on that. Um, if they are not able to update it, uh, what might happen is they could potentially deny the visa application through the Dropbox and you would have to schedule another one using a okay. new DS-160 that is attached to the amendment receipt number. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. But you may be able to, um, to get them to kind of substitute it if you email them and they receive it early enough. Sure. Yep. Thank you so much. 
So uh, there's no other option apart from emailing them, right? So there's no way to update my DS-160. Yeah, once the DS-160 is submitted, there's not really, it kind of gets locked. There's not really a way to go back in and edit it um, unless the consulate allows you access to it. But that requires um, getting in touch with them and getting their uh, approval to do that. Okay, sure. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Sure. Ramshi? Yeah, hi. Um, good morning. So I had a perm in 2007, October, and mm -hmm. 140, uh, there was an RFE on 140, and it was never, uh, I mean, it wasn't answered. So right now I'm on OPT, and just wondering if there is a way to vote the perm date. Unfortunately not. If that I-140 was never eventually approved, do you happen to know, even so, even if that um, I-140 was denied because the RFE wasn't responded to, responded to, do you happen to know if that company refiled the I-140 at any time? No, they haven't refiled. No. Yeah, and if they're out of business now, then there's not really any way they can refile it. And there isn't by chance like a su successor and interest company that took over when that company yeah. closed down? They floated, they floated another company. I mean, uh, now they are in business and a different name altogether. Okay. Do you still have a relationship? Do you yeah. have any relationship with that new company? Yeah, I do have some relationship with them. Okay. If they do qualify legally as a successor for immigration purposes, um, it is possible they may be able to still file an I-140 based on that old perm um okay. as long as so as long as an i-140 was filed within the six months after the labor certification approval then that labor certification does remain valid kind of indefinitely okay. for that same company or successor to use so that may be a possibility but um it probably will require some analysis by an immigration attorney to ensure that it qualifies as a successor and that the I-140 can, a new I-140 can still be filed based on it. Got you. Okay. okay. Suman? Suman? Uh, just a reminder, everyone, too, um, there is a link in the chat to a Google form um, where we're asking anyone who would like to ask a question to go ahead and um, kind of list your name and type in a brief description of your question. So if you do have a question, please go to that Google link and um, add your add yourself there. Hi, uh, this is Suman. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hi, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, I have a question regarding uh, B2 visa uh, submission. So actually, uh, I'm currently on H1B visa and I would like to invite my mother and father to US. Uh, actually, uh, my mother's name is uh, different on her passport uh, compared to the one in my passport. Actually, her name is like, um, in my passport, her name is Padma and uh, in her passport is like Venkat Padma and all. So, uh, will this cause any issues when she attend a B2 visa because there's a discrepancy in the name uh, in my passport compared to her passport or is there anything I need to worry about? No, there, that wouldn't in itself be an issue. I mean, she will still need to explain her reason for applying for the B2 visitor visa that she's coming to visit you here in the U.S. and you're here on an H-1B. So she may need to bring uh, proof of your um, relationship. So, you know, a copy of your birth certificate. Um, but it's not really, and maybe like a copy of your H-1B approval notice um, and your H-1B visa, but 
it's yeah, it's very common that the names don't always match exactly. So that in itself wouldn't be an issue. Oh, okay, so that should not cause any rejections, right? Just because the name no. is different. No, as long as it's okay. clear from other documents that you are related. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. Thank you, thank you. That's all I want. Okay. Aparna? Hello, thank you for the opportunity. Um, sure. Rebecca, I am on H1B right now with expiration September, 2023. Um, but my employer gave me one month notice, like end of April, they would stop supporting me. I'm not finding it easy to find another opportunity. Uh, my perm and labor is 140 has been approved with them with the 2019 priority date. Okay. Um, my spouse is on H1B, but um, his um, labor or 140 has not been approved yet. They are still at the prevailing wage stage. Okay. So, um, like, if, can I go to H4 or if I find after? in employment in H4, would it be easy to come back to H1? Would would that go under quota process or would that work? Uh, do you by chance have a valid H1B visa stamp already that's valid until September, 2023? I do not. Okay. So any H1B visa stamp you have is already expired? No, not on H1B. I okay, you have no H1 visa stamp. No, I, oh. I have a stamp on F1, not on H1. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so as far as, so in order just to stay in status, um, it probably would be uh, the best route to change to H4 stat or file the change of status to H4 before the 60-day grace period is over if you don't find, um, you know, an H1B transfer within the 60 day grace period, then I definitely would recommend filing the I-539 to change your status to H-4, just so you don't go out of status. Um, then while you are in that H-4 pending period, which could be like six to eight months, um, if you are still job searching at that time and find a company that's willing to sponsor your H-1B, um, most likely the way that, that you'll need to go is if they, are willing to file your H-1B, they can do so, but would need to file it in consular processing. And then you would need to travel outside the U.S., get the visa stamp in H-1B and come back in in order to be able to activate the H-1B. So that's not very fast either, but um, the, the, other, the other alternative would be to wait until your H-4 is approved. Once your H-4 is approved, then the company can file a change of status for you from H-4 to H-1B pretty quickly. Um, but that may not be for, you know, another six months or so after you file the I-539. The problem is with that period when it's just your H-4 change of status is pending. Um, a new company, it's not really easy to, to change from a pending state back to H-1B within the U.S., it usually requires going outside the U.S. and getting a visa stamp if you don't have one. Um, okay. okay. So, so once I, I mean, if I can, if I wait for that H-4 to be approved and they file H-1B, at that stage, would I be able to use, reuse my 140 or port it like with the new employer? 
Yes. So um, the H-1B would be filed. It can be filed in premium processing to change your status back to H-1B and you can start working for the new company once the H-1B is approved. Um, and then that new company would still need to undergo the PERM process and I-140 filing for you under their company's name. And at the I-140 stage, they would port the priority date to the new I-140 application. Okay. So I already passed my six year validity. So that when okay. I come back, that wouldn't be a problem, right? To H1? No, no, okay. since you have the I 140 approval. Yeah. That's yes, fine. thank you, Rebecca. Yeah, the I 140 approval remains usable for getting the H 1B extensions beyond the six year limit, even if you've left that company. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Suresh? Yes, thanks. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. Uh, so a uh, couple of months before I, I was trying to change my employer, and then the new employer filed a H-1B and transfer. Along with that, they filed H-4 and H-4EAD. So uh, the, the H-1 uh, was approved uh, immediately because of the premium processing. And then uh, uh, I tried to go out from my employer, and I couldn't go. Uh, there is some commitment. So, I stayed with my current employer, uh, but now I am getting the H4 and the EAD approval from them. So, uh, okay. but I did not join with them. Uh, now, my new current employer is trying to find a H1B extension for me. Do we need to file a EAD or I can use the EAD which got approved during the transfer? Um, yeah, so your wife can use the EAD that was approved from, that was filed along with the previous company's H1B. Um, so the H4 and EAD are not company specific the way that the H1B is. So since that H4 and EAD are probably still valid for, you know, another two and a half years or so, um, it's not really necessary to refile for the H4 and EAD at this time, unless your wife wants to. Okay. But I never worked with that employer. Um, so uh, um, I did not transfer it, uh, but That's I okay. got an approval. As long as the H4 and EAD were approved. They're approved, okay. right? Pending. Yes, it is. It is approved okay. now. Uh, I yeah. got a, a notification. Okay. So even yeah. though they withdraw my H1B on that company, uh, I did not join, uh, so that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, it won't affect the H4 and EAD if they're already approved. If they were still pending at this time, then I would recommend filing a new H4 and EAD with this new company's H1B because when the old H1B is a, with withdrawn, they might withdraw also the or UCIS might deny the H4 and EAD that were filed along with it. But since they're already approved, that they won't like revoke them or anything. Okay, okay, sure. Thanks, thanks, Rebecca. Sorry. Joy? Hi. Um, so I moved to the United States uh, on an L1 visa with my current employer. Uh, during my tenure on L1, the company uh, put me on the H1 lottery. Uh, I A petition was filed for, for me with NTO, which is consular processing. Uh, but I continued to stay uh, on the L1 status uh, because uh, as soon as I moved to H1, uh, my spouse would like lose her authorization and, yeah. and she would require EAD and so on and so forth. Right. Uh, so right now, um, my my role is being eliminated from my current employer 
and i have been given a 90 day no, uh, termination so my so my termination would happen 90 days uh, from now beyond okay. which the the severance and grace would start the grace period would start okay so for the next 90 days i'm still going to be on payroll and everything right. Uh, and right so right now i'm exploring the option to to get that h1b uh, under nto stamped and re-enter the us during this 90 day period so that i'm able to like change employers does that make yeah, sense yeah that is an option um so can you remind me is your h1 filed by the same company as your l1 employer yes yes it's the same company okay and are they willing to support the h1 stamping uh yeah, so what they have said is like beyond the termination date, which is 90 days from now, that is when they will withdraw all of the everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Until okay. then, everything stays intact. Okay. Okay. Then, um, yeah, if the company is, is willing to, so usually for visa stamping, you would need to carry a recently dated letter from the company confirming um, that you're still employed or you still will be employed in that H-1B position that's described in the application, especially since the application was filed, you know, uh, several months ago by this point. So as long as the company is willing to provide that letter, they don't need to mention anything about like your end date or that you are, you know, going to be let go at a certain date. All they need to say is that we confirm that um, this employee is, um, employed with our company pursuant to the terms of the H-1B petition, um, recently dated. So if they're willing to provide you that letter, then you should be able to, yeah, in the next three months, if you can secure a stamping appointment, go get the H-1B visa stamped, come back in, um, and continue the rest, you know, work the rest of remainder of your 90 days in H-1B status rather than L-1 status. And then, um, yeah, during that time, be looking for other jobs and you could transfer the H-1B. Yeah, I would say that Got would it. be a, a good strategy. Got it. So one so one quick clarification. So while the company is like keeping me on the payroll and benefits and everything, they don't expect me to work during the 90 days. Does that change your answer? Uh, not really. Yeah, if they are still, if you're still in the payroll, you're still employed, um, yeah, it'll kind of be a matter of what the company is comfortable stating also in the letter. You could try going, when was the H-1B application approved? Was it in last year's lottery? It, it was in 2021, uh, cycle. Yeah. So it's so definitely more than a year. Yeah. If it's been that long, usually a recently dated letter really is needed. I was going to say if it was last year's, it might, you might be able to try it without a letter, but. So, so an employment verification letter is something that I've already obtained, right? Like, for example, like all it says is that I am employed with this company at this salary and the company would continue sponsoring my immigration until the end of my tenure. Okay. Without when, mentioning any particular when date. Is, when is that letter dated? Like very recent, like a week back. Okay. Yeah, I would say you could try then using that letter. That seems like kind of generic enough maybe to, to be Got useful. It. Got it. So uh, given that like this would be a drop-off appointment and there wouldn't be an interview, I think that 
fairly fine. But uh, my other concern is while re-entering the US, do you think that could be a concern if the CBP officer kind of asks if like this is not really a job, what I'm doing for the 90 days and so on and so forth? Well, that's why you also need that letter. Um, so the recently dated employment verification letter would be used at the consulate and also at entry to show to CBP. I mean, at CBP, all you need to present them would be your new H-1B visa stamp, your H-1B approval notice, and that letter if they ask for it. Um, you don't need to really tell them anything about the 90 days or the layoffs or anything like that. If they ask you, just say that I'm coming in to work for my company, so-and-so in this position, according to my H-1B visa approved petition. That's all. Got it. And that wouldn't be misrepresenting anything. No, because as long as you're coming in before the end of the 90 days, that is what you're right. coming in to do. Um, yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. I think that's helpful. Thank you. Thanks, sure. Rebecca. Yeah. Um, hi, Rebecca. Um, so I used to be in student status, but my second uh, CPT school, they dismissed me and terminated my student service in January 20. And I did my uh, reinstatement for getting back to the student status. And uh, I will do my finger fingerprint uh, for reinstatement next Monday. And now there are two uh, schools would, would like to sponsor my H-1B work visa. The one school is the CAP exempt school. Um, so it's a public school district, it's CAP exempt. The other school is uh, like a private uh, school. Um, so can I fail two H-1B, like can I fail both of them for H-1B? Yeah. Yes, potentially. So the private school, um, it's they are not- CAP. Okay, so they're not considered CAP exempt. No. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so if the if the school district that is CAP exempt um, files for you, and they can file for you any time of year because they're CAP exempt, they would need to file for you first um, and then get your H-1B approved, change of status approved in the CAP exempt. Once that is approved, then the other employer can file an application for concurrent H-1B employment. And even though that second employer is not CAP exempt, if it's considered concurrent with the CAP exempt approval, then you can be working for both at the same time. But okay, so the, the CAP exempt yeah. one would need to be filed first. Okay, the second one is the regular CAP, right? So because I won the lottery and the, uh, they are the oh. regular CAP. So I want to save that, um, like that lottery. So I want to, I want it to get approved as well, but I don't want to maybe like use it or like act, activate it. Yeah, I, I want to make, work with the big school district and uh, using the cap exempt HMB. But for the regular cap, I want to file it, but don't use it. Just want to save that spot. So in the future, I don't need to do the lottery again. Okay, so that second employer submitted you in the lottery this month and you got selected with them. Yeah. Okay, yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that will kind of depend on the that employer. If they are willing to file it for you by June 30th um, and it gets approved, um, then yeah, as long as it's filed and approved as a change of status, then um, 
as of October 1st, it will be kind of um, activated so that you will be considered counted in the cap. I would say you would need to work kind of at least let it get activated. If it doesn't get activated at all, I don't think you would be considered counted in the cap or they can file it as consular processing, um, which wouldn't activate it. But then in order to activate it, you would need to go for visa stamping and come back in, which you can do at some point in the three-year validity period. So yeah, you could so, do that. Yeah, but like my current status is I'm still waiting for the reinstatement result to come yeah. back. Yeah, that but will need to happen first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like I'm out of status now, like, and we don't know how long the reinstatement will take. So um, if it didn't approve before the school, the, the school year starts at August, I don't want to miss like the, the August time because it, because if school starts, my HMB still didn't get approved, then I cannot work. Then they might revoke my H1B. So I want to make sure, like, so if the reinstatement get approved in one to two months, should I wait for the uh for it and to do the COS? Or should I when I file the CAP exempt H1B? Should I just file CP consular processing, which um which have a higher chance that to get approved for my H1B uh visa? Definitely for the change of status, the reinstatement would need to be complete first. Yeah. So, and then also, of course, for the CAP subject application, it needs to be filed by June 30th, no matter what. So mm -hmm. if your reinstatement is not approved by the end of June, then I would have the second employer file the application in consular processing just to get it filed. Otherwise, you definitely will lose that CAP selection or you know lottery selection. Um, and then, yeah, then you'll just have to kind of see how it goes from there because it does depend on the timing of the reinstatement. Um, so, so for a CAP exempt school, the HMB, they can fail anytime. So when they fail it, can I maybe just, just fail the consular processing and uh, leave the country, get them and come back again? That will be the CAP exempt one. Yes. That, yeah, you can do that. Um, yeah. So that will depend on getting a visa appointment. Yeah, so which one uh, is easier to get stamped, COS or consular processing? I mean, if it's going to depend on, you know, if the school district basically requiring you to be ready to work by August and with the reinstatement timeline being uncertain, um, it's really hard to say. I am not as familiar with F1 reinstatement timelines or how long they might take. You can maybe check with the DSO at your school to get an idea of how long those are taking and maybe make a decision based on that. And at the same time, check on visa appointments at the consulate you're planning to apply at and see the availability. Make sure there is availability before August. Um, yeah. It does seem like the consular processing route, if you can secure a visa appointment, would be kind of more certain because it would allow you to make sure you come back in by August to be able to start work. Yeah. So for consular processing, okay, do I need to go back to my home country like China or can I go no, to No, you don't have to. You can apply at any consulate that has availability. Okay. Because my status is not clear, like I am out of status now in America. So if I go to the third country, is that going to be a problem? It shouldn't be, um, but you might need a visitor visa to that country. For example, if you're planning to go to Canada, you may need a visitor visa to go to Canada. Okay. okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. 
Um, I can take one more question. Let's see. Or Benkat? Venu? Venu Kumar? Okay, maybe Meenal. Oh, you're muted. Yeah, okay, there hi. we go. So um, I recently got laid off from my job and I'm on H1B. My I-140 is not yet approved. So how many days I have left uh, so I can search for the new job? Like, is any, like other than 60 days, is there any uh, further flexibility? Not technically at this point. We know there were a lot of reports about a 180 day grace period. That is not in effect officially. That was just a recommendation that was made to the administration, but it has not been implemented. So right now, the only um, thing that's in place is the 60 day grace period. Um, if you are not able to file another uh, H-1B transfer during those 60 days, it kind of depends on the, if you're very close to, it, basically, if you have a job offer maybe on day 58, and it's just a matter of them actually filing it, getting the LCA certified, and it's, you know, a week away from being able to file it. If it's really close like that, and you know that something is going to be filed, I probably wouldn't, you know, depart the U.S. for that, where it's so close. It would technically be filed outside the 60 days, but we've filed kind of within a couple of weeks of the 60 days sometimes, and um, and it has gone through, uh, if we include the nunk pro tunk argument, kind of explaining extraordinary circumstances um, involved in the late filing. But if it's a situation where you're at the end of the 60 days and there aren't any confirmed H-1B transfers that will be filed or nothing that's being prepared. In that situation, it is probably best to make plans to depart the U.S. or or if you have like the H-4 option to file the I-539 to change over to H-4 or some other status. Well, okay, that's all. Thank you. Okay. Okay, um, we'll probably need to close the conference here for today. The next one will be tomorrow afternoon at 3.30 Central Time. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.